Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week's episode is with friend of the podcast, Laura Davis, who is with me in London and we're sitting quite late at night having a tea and a chat. This is quite a subdued little conversation. We talk about the existential crisis of travel, uh, the process of Edinburgh and uh, what our duty as writers, moths and moths, and what our duty as writers of satirical comedy uh, is in this world, whether we're meant to talk about difficult things or just entertain people somewhat more in depth than that. I wanted to say thank you to everybody who's subscribed to the Patreon. It's an incredible thing. It's letting me do a lot more stuff and I will continue to do more stuff for you guys on the Patreon. If you if you want to, you can subscribe. Uh, you can subscribe for a dollar an episode, which is uh, $4 a month or $5 a month if you want access to the video content or $1 a month if you just want access to the premium blogs I occasionally do a one dollar post or just for no money you can just subscribe to follow things and you'll get occasional things like discount codes on my merch oh god this all sounds very official and um, capitalist but it's it's really nice that you do that and I appreciate it very much thank you everybody who's been emailing me alicerfraser at gmail.com is where you can hit me up or at alliterative a-l-i-t-e-r a-T-I-V-E, that's wrong. It's very late. It's very late. I'm, I'm a little bit sick. A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E, is that right? I don't know. Literative. I-V-E. They can do it. And also, you type Alice Fraser into Twitter, that's alliterative comes up. That's true, Alice R. Fraser on Twitter. I really, um, I'm not 100% well, um, but I'm very happy, and I've finished Edinburgh, and it's all going really well other than the fact that my body is currently betraying me, um, ankle-tapping me out of my uh, general busyness and into bed, uh, which is probably a good thing. An enforced holiday is a good thing. What was I talking about? Oh, yes, I have a show on the 9th uh, in Camden in London. It's at 8 p.m., and I'll be doing another one at 9.30 p.m. So two empires in a row. You can come to one, you can come to both. It's pay what you want, but you can book online if you want to guarantee yourself a seat. Uh, the first one's already booked out, so if you want to come for the 9.31, do that online um, at the Camden Comedy Club website. Other than that, uh, I've been on The Bugle. If you are a listener from The Bugle, uh, welcome. Welcome to Tea with Alice. This is not funny. This is just me talking about difficult ideas with interesting people. And uh, if that's your jam, please come and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Without further ado, I will let you listen to that and I'll see you next week. Uh, who are you and what are you drinking? Hello, I'm Laura Davis. I'm drinking a mystery tea. In, in a, uh, it's, in, it's in a double-walled glass cup, so I can see the tea, but I can't feel it. The cup is quite cold, which is slightly unnerving. It is a red choc mint rubos. Oh, thank you. Rubos being a non-caffeine tea because it's relatively late. It at is night. late. Uh, yeah, have you been uh, wrestling with anything recently? Oh, probably travel. The fact that I do not like it and I am doing a lot of it at the moment, and the only way that I can do it is if I switch off and pretend like it's not happening, which is apparently not the best way to carpe diem and see the world. Disassociation? No, probably <laughs> not. 
the best way, I mean, if it's your coping mechanism, what would happen if you opened yourself up to travel? What, what, what feels dangerous about that? I don't, I don't know where the fear is or the, I just... You just know that it's there. Yeah. I just know it does. Are you worried you'll have too much fun, Laura? Are you worried you'll be open to the world of experiences? <laughs> there is, I guess there is a, an identity crisis yeah. in that, maybe. But... I don't know. I always feel like I'm, I'm not very many steps away if I'm traveling around from. It's, it's an existential issue. Like I don't like, like, like don't show me the world uh, from a plane. Like don't show me the whole fucking globe, like traverse beneath me. Trying so hard to repress the idea that we're on a rock spinning in fucking infinity space, and then someone's like, "Well, do you want to get a flight and look down out the window and see the world?" The whole, whole, yeah, the the smallness of yourself in the face of the world. Yeah, I don't know how people go to space. Problem with you then, Laura, is that you're not narcissistic enough. Oh, okay. You're inadequately narcissistic. You're not. You're worried about your smallness in the face of the universe rather than your bigness. Yes. No, I wonder if we've had this chat before, but I'm always always completely shocked and surprised to discover that I'm not the angriest person at any airport because <laughs> I really hate it. And I go in there, I'm furious. I've probably got a bacon and egg McMuffin in both hands. And then I just you know, run up against someone who's just angry at a whole nother level. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't get there without some sort of serious injustice. Like someone would have to kick a, kick a child in front of me. It might even have to be my child to get that level of rage that people yeah. just sort of swan into airports. Yeah, maintaining just in the Starbucks, just furious. Yeah, I've been, um, I've been dealing with not being angry uh, in in terms of. I think it would be more useful if I were angry. I recently had my card skimmed, so I had oh, to yeah. call my bank from overseas and get them to close down my card and send me a new card, and they couldn't guarantee get bringing the card you know, within 10 business days, and I needed the card to change my flights, and then I had to change my flight. Just all of this like admin stuff, just being on the phone to various people for like two hours. Yeah. And I think maybe if I'd got a bit angrier, it would have happened faster. I think yeah. if I were more of that squeaky wheel, rather I'm than just being like, oh, thank you, well done, you're doing well. I'm quite good <laughs> good at that stuff. <laughs> maybe because I have a lot of time in the day. <laughs> but <laughs> I had to get hot water fixed and I found, I found a superpower in calling people up and getting stuff to happen. And yeah. I just... Just waiting on the on the hold Just, yeah. music forever. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Lornette. Yeah. So, so I called about forty five minutes ago um, about the hot water, and yeah. So someone's supposed to come back out and and check it, but no one's come. I was just wondering if that was the kind of customer service I can expect from your company. Oh wow! Wow. That's I don't have that toolkit, man. I need to learn that. <laughs> I didn't say anything mean. No. No. You're just just just, just inquiring as to is this. Is this it? Because I've, I've just got to make a decision. You know, it's not, it's not personally doing a great job, Lynette. But I, I need to look if I need to change companies because this just can't be happening. 
Wow. Yeah, I can't. Mm. I don't. I don't know what it is uh, that worries me so much about conflict, but I feel also I feel so sorry for them, like the people who are on the calls, because <laughs> you can just hear in their voice the certainty that you're going to snap. Yeah. And that they they're these sort of. Yeah, that's what you're weaponizing yeah. <laughs> against them. Yeah, but I, I don't. I don't have it in me. I. I it's in you. One day it you will. Don't have the one release. day it'll come out. One day I'll just have a tantrum. But today's not that day. I think I have slow burn tantrums. Mm. In that, you know, someone once told me that women weren't funny, and then about f- five years later, I quit being a lawyer to become a comedian. Yeah, like that's very them. slow burn. <laughs> I think I think my rage is opaque even to myself. Often, I'll I'll just act and not necessarily know that it's because I'm angry. Oh, yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah, it's more reckless. That's how, that's how people buy sports cars. Yeah, it's more r- reckless than angry. I, I worry about that. We've talked about rage on the podcast before, I think, and I've said that because I'm an angry person from quite an angry bloodline and, and I've gotten quite good at managing that. And so, <laughs> so I always know if I'm angry... At any sort of like customer service level, or that is, you have gradations of rage, and they're well, well calculated. Well, yeah, they're still they're still at a you know amber alert. <laughs> they're not. Oh, is it, you know where the nuclear option is? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, what people kind of see is, you know, someone being firm on the phone or something that I'm. That's that's level. Two, you know, out of ten, and so I can I can be very firm and very angry in a genuinely relaxed way because I know. Yeah, I, adm- I admire that. I think. I, well, uh, that's that's an emergency switch. That is for you know people kicking kids and <laughs> you know, and that that's usually reserved fun. on the behalf of other people rather than myself. I mean, I guess that. A sort of a superpower in itself, the capacity to get angry on behalf of other people. Yeah. I mean, you were saying just before we started the podcast when I was asking what we wanted to talk about, um, that you didn't want to talk about world events. Is that because it makes you angry? Or yeah, it does make me real mad. My job um, is writing for uh, Sean McAuliffe's Mad as Hell in Australia and it was a few days a week just constantly sifting through the news, updating and updating and updating and... I I found it very hard to you know, there's all the sad kind of stuff that you don't want to look at anyway but it's it's filtering in around as much as you can try not to look at it on the screen in front of you you do you know you do know how many teenagers were killed in motorbike accidents and all you know you know nasty elderly people bashed in their homes and (laughs) yeah it's that weird thing with satire i think having written on now i think four or five new satire Mm. shows that part of your part of your remit or part of the point of satire or news satire is to make people pay attention to world events that they would otherwise ignore so bringing Humor into it means that there's a there's a carrot on the stick yes, of finding sort of out fate. how terrible the world actually is. <laughs> hey, but kids, get in the time, van. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you have this terrible thing of, well, I don't want to make a joke about that. 
Yeah. And then also, if it's on television particularly, you're not allowed to make difficult or dangerous mm. jokes. You're not allowed to push that line. And I don't know if you would want to, but like if you're going to do it, you might as well fucking do it. You might yeah. as well drag people in and make them look at the terrible things <laughs> if that's your job. Um, otherwise, your job is just sort of light entertainment on vaguely topical <laughs> fluff pieces just wafting the newspaper around the screen <laughs> while yeah. you do a panel show yeah, um, i don't know how i feel about that about what i mean what your actual job is yeah you'd think someone would have described it better i struggle with scale a, a lot it's something that always really really gets me in the guts and so you see kind of the the incredible macro kind of uh, that's why don't show me the world when I'm on a plane. Don't m- let me look at it. <laughs> I can't be trusted with any sort of scale. But when you're reading the news, you see these macro things. You see all the news on global warming. You see everything, uh, you know, North Korea. And then you're reading an article about the fine-tuning of a maternity leave bill trying to pass through the Senate and it can't because of this person. <laughs> you just left. Yeah, or even more mac- micro, you know, this... <laughs> cat that got rescued from a tree yeah exactly yeah. passing pensioner who used their yeah. zimmer frame as a lever to blah yeah, yeah it's i mean i was listening i can't remember if it was on sam harris's podcast or uh very bad wizards it was one of the two i think it was sam harris's podcast where he was talking about uh with one of these uh, effective altruism guys about the fact that we cannot care like we're really good at caring about one person that's why all those kind of charity ads just show the one sad kid mm. and we care less when it's two kids and we care less when it's four kids and we care less when it's a uh, hundred kids and we just cannot care about four million kids mm. it's just Im- it's part it's a it's a brain mm. flaw that we have or some survival evolutionary mechanism that we have that we just cannot process uh, emotionally multiple targets yes even though you know four million kids should be four million times as tragic as one kid, it's actually the inverse for us. Yes, and I, I don't know, I don't know how you fix that, or if you do, or if if you don't fix it and you just use it in the way that those charity mm. things do, you just say, oh, it's just this one kid that you're helping. Yeah, I don't know how you you can rewire that. Yeah, or if you just sort of whatever hack it to use it for your own benefit mm. like yeah that's what we need to do with altruism hack, hack altruism. it and use it for our own benefit well when i say our own benefit i mean in terms of if you can only care about one kid but you rationally want to help four million kids then you use the one kid as I leverage guess, i guess it's just kind of like a pen pal system we all just buddy up <laughs> There's what six <laughs> six point five billion? Did we just tip? We tip seven, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, we're nearly at seven, I think. You're right. So you just each of us has one we just one other person to care about. Yeah, just have that, <laughs> and then you just—it's just a lottery system. Complete lottery system. Absolutely, you might get a starving orphan. You might get. An asbestos victim, you might get the queen and not have much to do. <laughs> what if, yeah, what if the person I'm assigned to worry about is like Mark Zuckerberg or something? Yeah, well, then look, he's assigned to look after you as well, so you still. Oh, it's deeply, it's reciprocal, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's nice. I like that idea. 
Or, or would it be reciprocal? No, it shouldn't be reciprocal. It should be everybody gets one person. Uh, just so b- and on. Yeah. Like the, the chain mail thing. Yeah, exactly. It's a big pyramid scheme. <laughs> I like that. I wonder if you should help people who... I mean, is it better, say, if you're a billionaire, to be given somebody who has, you know, is making less than a dollar a day? Mm. Or should it be more closely proximate? So if you're making $20 a day, no. maybe you're closer to the $1 a day person and can figure out how to actually help them. It's like a than just dropping smartphone a algorithm that does you on proximity so you kind of stay in your own suburb. All right, so it's, cl- it's proximity. Oh, that's not bad. And then, and then everyone gets a bit better in the world. Yeah. Look, I may have just come up with love thy neighbour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, you can but probably hear I'm a bit sick. It's needed a rebrand. It's a, it's a good one. I like that. You could start your own religion. If you had to, what would it be? Oh, look. I reckon one where I get robes. <laughs> I think that's how a lot of them have come into it. Being anyway. Start with the costume and work down. Yeah, I was saying that have a joke in my show it never it got cut because no one no one ever quite got it quickly enough and I was talking about how I think there's gonna be a lot of uh millennial cults. Uh, oh, yes. That just happen organically out of share house situations. <laughs> you go, you know, when you all walk into the kitchen, you and you're all in your dressing gowns, and like just one person has to be the leader, and you would be there. Just <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's enough sort of cults of personality around already. I yeah, mean, it's it's pretty basic what they're asking you to do in terms of religious um, religious activities which is you see kim kardashian advertise something and then you buy it yeah you pay into it's 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 more direct than many other forms of religion or maybe less direct than just putting it straight in the plate Mm. but uh i mean that stuff is why should you give this person money just because you like them yeah other than this sense that it what uh, what is it about that about giving yeah i'd rather start a, a cult than a religion I think. What do you think the difference is? Like the a f- robes, l- like a fence. Mm-hmm. A fence around the, the a cult. cult. Yeah, okay. religion so feels more. Religion is just commerce, essentially. You know, you're trying to build a brand and. Oh, and so the the cult is the more sort of homebrew yeah. version of religion. It's yeah, you get on realestate.com to start a cult and you find a few duplexes close to each other and then you work from there. Cults are limited. Religion, by I think you start with an office <laughs> and work your way down from there. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, cults are sort of grassroots. Mm. And they're more personal, I think, yeah, as well. I think you need to be able to smell your cult leader. It really, yeah, you should have to. It's part of the, it's part of the, job. the ceremonies. Yeah, the, I think the cult is, I mean, at least usually in its initial phases, a very personal relationship-esque. Mm. There needs to be someone who you're all into. Yeah. And willing to move house for. Yeah. The cult would just be me doing the things that I like doing. Though. It's a relatively harmless cult. Yeah. Looking at ponies in a forest. Yeah. Collecting moths to look at. Oh, I had such a nice time. I was in in Dorset in a 
a town called Blandford. Which that is, is amazing. It's very lovely to be in Blandford. I I mm. haven't really had a holiday for a long time. I mean, if you're going to start a cult, it might as well be in Blandford. Oh, look, I was that close. I was that close. And uh, I love I love moths. It's uh, a fun factor. I have a just just bloody love them. What about them? Do you love? Because I know some people who are creeped out by moths by I their don't dustiness. Stand that. Uh, I think they are mysterious. They're, they're stunning. Like they're incredible to look at. Um, butterflies are a facade. <laughs> they're, too, they're too ephemeral. They're, they're sunny little pretty the things, and they've got they come with a lot of connotations. A butterfly, um, moths do the heavy lifting of the pollination, like they're the workhorses, and they're stunning. Um, and nobody knows how they work, really. Uh. Like w- we think that they navigate by the moon, we think, but we still don't know. There's they can smell a mate, like like 40 miles away or something wow. like that of their same species and they're in any hedge there's you know four five hundred species of moth like there's and yet they can find their version at 400 mile radius and and whatnot and they're just these fun little they're very cute little Pretty fuzzy harmless they won't completely harmless they can't they can't bite you at all. <laughs> they can flap. That's it. Yeah. Um, so I'm in a lot of moth identification uh, Facebook groups. And so while I was in Blandford, I was setting light traps and going out at night. And What's indents. a light trap? Light trap. You can look. You can just leave your bathroom window open with the light on and it will... But it's just harder to get them out. Uh, so there's lots of different ways you can make them. The the proper entomologists make get professional ones that you know trap the moths in, and then you and they've got chambers and stuff. I don't need any of that. It's just a a light in a otherwise quite dark place with a white sheet and some egg cartons, stuff like that, for them to uh, nestle amongst. And then you come and take some photos of them. Yes. I, I like to not disturb them too much. I don't really want to put them... I don't, you don't mind want to traumatise a moth. Well, I just... I like them. I'm looking at them because I like them and I'd rather they carried on their, their business uh, rather than, you know, trying to get them in a jar to look at them properly and stuff. If I can get it, just look at them, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, I just was moth trapping in Blandford... <laughs> For yeah, a week. That does sound extremely therapeutic. It was very relaxing up to Edinburgh and, you know, just wonderfully dull. Do you listen to music while you moth trap or do you... Not quite. you got to listen to the moths. What sound do moths make? No, no sound. <laughs> I but once got head-butted by a moth. Yeah, they can be quite forceful. Yeah, I, uh, I wrote a whole series of elaborate tweets about it. <laughs> <laughs> about my love affair with the moth. I like I I like moths, but I do not love them. I have a story about a moth. Tell me the story about the moth. I was at a bad job, heralding really, uh, <laughs> the bad job that I had at the the um the exhibition center. Um, that was a bad job. A terrible job. 
uh, hurt, I mean, like it ruined your feet. It's they are still ruined. I fell over today because they are ruined. Um, but I was, I was working a security job just for. It was just for two days. It was for a temp agency my friend worked for, uh, and she just assigned it to me, and it sounded fine. But you had to kind of stand very still at a gate um, inside the exhibition buildings in Perth. Uh, scanning people's tickets into a fencing uh, exhibition. Um, fencing the uh, martial art or fencing the... Fencing the fences. Oh, the yeah, home Yeah, just some sort of fence display it was. It it's was much less exciting. It's, yeah, but it's a hideous metaphor, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> um, just people standing behind these little artificial fences uh, set up. Anyway, no one was going to the fencing uh, exhibition, surprisingly. And and I was just standing there. It was a 10-hour shift or something and you were not given breaks and your body is not meant, you know, they use it as torture. You're not meant to stand, stand still. still for 10 hours, um, yes. And I was telling them that I was in pain and my back was going uh, into spasm and my legs were spasming and they're like no and you can't slouch and you have to stand bolt upright even though this is and you know the the building is huge that you're standing in the foyer is incredibly high ceilings you know 10 meter high ceilings and it's probably 800 meters or something long maybe not 800 but three three four hundred meters long this massive room um and the whole shift i did the first day went home collapsed the second shift I was standing there for about four hours just getting increasingly frustrated with my hands behind my back like a like a soldier, like they had told me to stand, like, a, like some sort of Buckingham guard <laughs> of the fencing expo. Um, and I was watching this big moth just flap around this giant vacant space that was flapping up, you know, these 10-metre ceilings against. And I was just watching it because there's nothing to watch. And then the moth came closer I was like, I was like, oh, I, w- I wish it could go outside. I feel so sad for this moth. I wish that it, it could be free of this horrible place <laughs> that I'm also in. And the moth flew behind my back and went into my hands, which were clasped behind my back in this massive, you know, massive room. It just found the one point of safety. The tiniest little, you know, my hands were closed and clasped together and it just kind of just it just went straight in to my closed fist and I just went oh oh yeah I can leave (laughs) for for about for about half an hour I've been watching this moth going I wish I wish there was some way I could I could take it out or get it out and uh, it'd be nice if I could get it out of this it's gonna die in here there's no nectar for it I've got it oh all right mate (laughs) let's go (laughs) And just quit on the spot, walked out and set it free, and they and made me give my too. yeah. Well, they made me give my shirt back, and I just walked out in my little bra and singlet <laughs> that I had. You know, it wasn't it wasn't scandalous, but it was <laughs> wasn't a lot of clothing. And they're like, "Well, well, you you can't quit today because you need to give your shirt back." I was like, "Nope, <laughs> I will. I will give you my shirt. <laughs> I don't care." I mean, that's interesting in in light of what you said before about not really being able to get angry on your own behalf mm. but you tend to get angry on other people's yes or other insects yeah, <laughs> yeah i wasn't going to quit my job but if a moth made me 
if a moth needed a needed an, an escape raft, you yeah, and I was, I was definitely going to get fired if I said, oh, "Excuse me, I just have to let this moth outside." <laughs> <laughs> so you quit. So yeah, I did quit. I mean, and it that's a very uh, so. In in many ways, you rescued each other, you and the moth. Well, it just felt too weird for it to find hands that are already closed as a little haven. Yeah. I mean, moths work in mysterious ways. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> so I think we've discovered the uh, the icon for your cult, at least. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I'm one of these people who never get sick, except that I've been getting sick recently. Yeah, heaps. I don't know how many... Um, how many outliers you need on a data curve before you correct the curve. I mean, you know, there's only only so many times you can go, well, I don't ever get sick and then get sick before you're like, well, actually, <laughs> I get sick all the time. Yeah. Or I get sick <laughs> the normal amount of times. <coughs> well, I mean, classic. I mean, I'm looking forward to getting whatever. Whatever I have. Whatever I'm you so have. I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's, this, it's that classic post- Edinburgh or post any kind of festival thing where you're... It's because your cortisol drops Yeah, you're when you relax. You're burning candle at both ends. Your body says we can't, we can't afford to be sick right now and mm. then somehow just stores up all of your <laughs> potential sickness and dumps it on you in one big yeah. lump. That, that is kind of how it works. Yeah. I think it's because I don't run as much anymore where you're sort of playing with your cortisol levels, mm. doing, you know, artificial... Hormetic stress stuff to your body. Yeah. Yeah, adrenaline like that is very good for your immune system. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I should start running, but not today <laughs> or tomorrow. I think. No. I think I've got a lot of important coughing to do. You've got a lot of important coughing to do. <laughs> so how very do busy, full coughing schedule. I spoke to you before Edinburgh. Yes, la- and during and, and after. During. But I mean, on the podcast, I spoke to you yes. before Edinburgh and you were heading into Edinburgh and it was going to be your first time doing that uh, Everest of festivals. Mm-hmm. Did you feel overwhelmed or underwhelmed or maybe it was fine? Yeah, neither, just in the m- middle. It just felt like a big festival, but it felt nice because I've done 10 years of smaller ones in Australia, I really did need a bigger stage. Yeah, bigger, just a bigger challenge. And it didn't feel like it was out of hand. Like, oh God, it's so big. It just felt like, oh yes. Like, you know, without being pretentious, but like somebody giving you the correct weights at a gym <laughs> you're like, just oh yeah just, this is my level you're like oh this is getting dull and then someone gives you something heavy and you're like oh actually now this is much more interesting yeah you know you can do as many reps with the one that you are just doing okay so will you go back yeah yeah absolutely um i haven't looked at the financials i don't want to know until i'm back in australia and i've paid my rent for a month yeah <laughs> then i'll look at how much longer i have to live <laughs> off my money. How much longer you can afford to stay alive? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I it might is need that the thing. cult. I mean, I don't. I think with Edinburgh, it depends what you want to get out of it. You can do it as a money-making festival. Mm. You can do the free fringe and make a stack of money, or you can do it in that sort of 
getting attention from the press or getting attention from the industry or getting attention from your peers as an investment or anything in between. I mean... Yeah. This this was really just a reconnaissance mission that was just to go and do it and I did. Uh, I, feel, I feel guilt over not enjoying travel and the incredible amount of nice things I get to do Why? all the time. Because I, I enjoy them and I appreciate them and I, I respect them, but I just, I can't summon that mad enthusiasm and that, that giddy, I mean, giddy delight. Is there anything for which you summon that mad enthusiasm other than moths? Moth trapping and had a real good time in the pony forest <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe nothing. That's not... So I wouldn't feel guilty about not feeling a mad enthusiasm that isn't necessarily part of your yeah. emotional standard repertoire. When we climbed that hill, I was pretty happy. Yeah, we climbed the crag outside Edinburgh, which yeah. is next to Arthur's seat. We decided we didn't want to be on Arthur's seat with everyone else. We wanted to be rebels. Yeah. <laughs> rebels who climb the slightly smaller thing. <laughs> Considerably smaller. smaller. Thing. It's slightly to the left of the bigger thing. Yes. Uh, we met a lovely lady on Her that name peak. was Janet. Her name was Janet and she was an American lady and she had just decided to pull up stakes and come over to Edinburgh. And climb a hill. And climb a hill. And I was sure that there was an epic backstory to Janet because Janet exists as an archetype. Anywhere you go in the world, there will be a Janet. And Alice flied her on top of a hill. <laughs> well, it wasn't that. It wasn't <laughs> quite that artificial in that she was asking us about us and I had a flyer in my bag. But uh, it was a really interesting thing because I, I recognised Janet. I've been to lots of different places in the world and there is always an intrepid single American lady who's clearly <laughs> just been done badly by... Just escaped a, a cult. Or her <laughs> business or a cult. As you say, she's just something snapped. In Fresh her. out of the cult. <laughs> In her quiet, normal life, and she's just decided to go to... She's gone the full crag. Yeah, she's gone the full crag. I love that. I love meeting people like that. And it is often women who have just decided to come to yeah. Madagascar or Burma or, yeah. or Edinburgh. Oh, I could, just, I could just go. Yeah. I could just leave. Yeah, she, she's had the moth moment. <laughs> I wonder what insect it was for her. But I find that a really hopeful and beautiful and sort of slightly tragic, melancholy experience. I, I really like Janet. She went to your show, but she didn't go to mine. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, but when she came to my show, she said to say hello to Alice and that she was very sorry 10 o'clock was just a bit too late and that uh, she had to get a flight. Back to her life. I hope mm. she's well. Hi, Janet. Hi, Janet. I hope she's listening to the podcast. I hope she's sorted out whatever it was that made her suddenly decide to come to Edinburgh on a whim. It could have just been giddy delight. It could have been giddy delight, but I... Carpe diem. I like to think she flipped a table. Like yeah. Like there was something that happened. She used her rage. She swallowed just one too, much, one too many things. Someone told her five years ago that women didn't go to Edinburgh. <laughs> you can't climb crags. <laughs> and she just decided to, to come out into the world. I mean, people are so brave. Like, quiet people can be yeah. so brave like that. There is that. I mean, th when I think about travel, too, and it's one of the things that I don't like about it is 
I'm usually traveling alone. And everybody says, oh, you have to travel alone because you have to find yourself. You have to, which means they're not going to look at things. They're going to look at themselves in Mm. a different place. Oh, here I am. Which is... In front of this building. Yeah. (coughs) It's, It's... Yeah, they're looking at themselves in a different place rather than looking at the place and and you go and find yourself but I I really think I've already had too good a look. Okay, there's, <laughs> there's, I know who's in here. I've spent 10 years on stage digging her up. Like there's no I know. You know. I, I know this person and and it stays the same regardless of where I go. Um which means that when I'm going places by myself I'm just <laughs> just going over looking at the pyramids and going well yes all seems to be in order this <laughs> 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 leaning tower of pisa exists all right what's next Not uh, a hoax. Mm, see i the nile mm, good i love what you've done with it i like traveling alone um mainly because i'm not a very good tourist mm. in that Oh, I quite like just wandering around staring at things while listening to music or an audiobook. <laughs> I feel a little um and then if the, if you're traveling with someone then it becomes an ad- an admin game, a logistics game. Yes. What do we both want to see? When do we want to see it? There's a schedule, there's a there's a program. It feels like work. I quite like that sort of drifting uh slightly disconnected feeling of just oh, there's a thing. Oh, maybe I'll walk down this way. And maybe I'm missing something. Sometimes you want to turn to someone and go, oh, look at that thing. (laughs) I just feel there's there's a certain audacity in feeling like you should should see the world, (laughs) deserve to see the world. That you deserve to see, yeah, that that it's a a gift waiting to be unwrapped by you. Yes. That it doesn't exist until you see it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Madagascar's there, I believe him. (laughs) <laughs> Send David Attenborough again. He loves it. <laughs> I mean, yes, I guess so. I I, I think don't think that my take on it is necessarily the correct one. Yeah, I think traveling on my own is a sort of a selfish thing in that I, I don't travel. When I say travel on my own, I don't go on holidays on my own. Mm. I travel usually for work. I can't work. relax if I'm not working anymore. Yeah. It's a new problem I've discovered. Oh, isn't it terrible? Yeah. I mean, I like it, but yeah, I, I, when I say that, I, I don't mean on holidays. I mean for work or whatever, but if I'm in a new city, I'll wander around on my own. I don't need to be chaperoned. I think it's why I'll never be a big celebrity because <laughs> I don't need an entourage. I don't have that kind of desire to accumulate people around yeah. me. That's a really good way to... Um, it's a good excuse to have... As to why you're not a big celebrity oh, yeah, as I'm not well. a big celebrity because... Oh, I just didn't like the company. <laughs> didn't want a support team. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't need to have people telling me I'm good all the time. Maybe <laughs> I do. No, I definitely do. That's my job. Yeah. Um, I like people telling me I'm good in, in, a, in, in an enclosed, controlled environment. Yeah, but I you want to eat your ramen by yourself. <laughs> yes. That's all right. Yeah, that's about that's about the the shape of it. So when do you head back to Australia? And what are you? Oh, you've got a show. I do have a show. I have it. Um, I'm doing a few gigs in Manchester. I'm doing the um, the 
birthday show for group therapy at Albert Hall and then I have three nights at the Soho Theatre of my critically acclaimed show Cake in the Rain. <coughs> Which is an excellent show. I've seen it. I liked it. I endorse it. What are the, what are the dates of that? Because got, we've got people in London is, listening to this TV. It is the 14th, the 15th and the 16th of September. All right, I have a plan for you. You can uh, podcast listeners. Go um, to Soho Theatre website and, and you know. Do that. I, um, I'm doing a show on the 9th, Empire at the Camden Head. Mm. Uh, I'm going to be doing two shows back to back because the first show has sold out. Congratulations. Uh, so thank you. It, I mean, sold out is, is putting too um, fancy a term to it. It's, it's free to book. Hey, you will never get that entourage <laughs> with that attitude. <laughs> well, what I mean is that it's free to book and 60 places have been booked. And so I'm going to do another one immediately afterwards for the people who also want to come along, presuming that there are people and not just pranksters um come to that on the 9th and then that's go to the show on the 11th that's how i feel when people ask me out that they're on some sort of some sort of dare <laughs> and you see people book tickets you're like who lost that bet <laughs> who yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's better not to speculate too much on the lives of people who are buying tickets to things because they could be it's happy. not so much if, if people buy tickets is when they buy them three months in advance when they first go on sale. Yeah. How are you that organised? How do you know where you're going to be in three you months? Booked a, I mean, you know, you've booked a single ticket to the Wednesday. I mean, that's just a compliment. In seven weeks' time, you are ready. I mean, that's a compliment because that means either that they uh, like you enough, they know that whatever's going to happen in that time is not going to change their opinion of you. Yes, that is nice. And or... Even if they don't make it, they're still happy for you to have their money. Mm. So I think it's a compliment. I think it you is should a take compliment. the three months ahead booking as a compliment. Then why does it feel <laughs> so suspicious? I think because you mistrust good things. Laura. Yes, I do. I think you mistrust compliments. Because mm. it is a compliment. It's just a straight up compliment uh, with no ulterior motives at <laughs> all. And you can't handle the truth. What about the ones that book seven weeks ahead, come sit by themselves and then wait after the show? to get too close and I mean that's also a compliment <laughs> I mean it might not be the kind of compliment that you like but it is a compliment it is uh, well where can people find you online to get the details of that show if they've forgotten already they can find it uh, probably on the Soho Theatre website will definitely give you the details for that show and then I'm Laura Davis comic on Twitter and there's links uh, to the show are you still doing emoji stories uh, no, but you can look them up. I, I should, they, they release some new emojis, so I should try and see what I can, Laura I can build. Graphic stories with emojis and they're actually very artistic and yeah, good. Yeah, it's at emoji cartoons or you can look at them on my Facebook page. I've uploaded them all there because I can't draw, <laughs> but I wanted to make cartoons <laughs> and they're then emojis came along. For emojis, they are weirdly lyrical mm. and a little bit dark. Yeah, that sounds... About right. Very on brand. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for having tea with me. Thank you for having me.
Oh, do you know her or do you not? This top is mistress that we have got. Elsie Thompson, it is her name, and she helps the doffers at every frame. Loudy rifle, doll, loudy rifle day. On Monday morning, when she comes in, she hangs her coat on the highest pin. Turns around for to view her frames, crying, damn you, doffers, cry up your in. Loudy rifle, doll, loudy rifle day. And when the boss, he looks round the door, tie your ends up, doffers, he will roar. Well, tie our ends up, we surely do, for Elsie Thompson, but not for you. Loudy rifles all, loudy rifle day. Oh, Elsie Thompson is going away, is it tomorrow or yet today? We'll tie our ends up and leave our frames and wait for Elsie to return again. Loudly rifles all, loudly rifles.